Welcome to the Drop Doctors Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. Alright, g'day everyone. Welcome back to the Draft Doctors Pod. Very special episode this week. We've got good vibes, bad vibes. It's one of my favourite shows every year because it means I don't have to do heaps of research. Uh, but it's And it's about the vibe. It's Marbo. Uh, it's the vibe. One of the best law-talking guys of our time, Dennis DeNuto. Getting the feels. Uh, we've got a special guest this week. Uh, we also have Cam. We also have Cam. He's back. Uh, he hasn't left. He's been double-dosed today. And uh, I just want to get your thoughts. Essendon legend Josh Jenkins has retired, Cam. Uh, well, yeah, I actually think he's he, he was very close to being Geelong's best forward um, in the VFL this year. So, you know, it's good good for him to, to have a good exit after his days at the Mighty Bombers and the Crows. Yeah. Yep, good times. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to go with that man. Essendon legend, Oof, 140 games and like 300 goals or something. I think he did. He had a good career, really. It's not bad. Realistically, not bad. he um he, he was a bit of a whipping boy for the public though. Yeah, and he's atrocious on the socials. Is he? Like really bad. Yeah, he's not good. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hey, we got that in common. Josh, hit us yeah. up. Hit us up. Yeah. Um, so we've got a special guest. Uh, this is Costa. Now, he doesn't have a... Well, he has a social media profile, but it's probably the worst social media profile of all time because all he does is comment on posts. Uh, he's a Richmond sycophant, um, so there's, there's a lot of that. But he's from the home league. We sort of hang, hang uh, shit on ourselves for, for talking about the home teams, but he's, uh, he's won my home league three years in a row. Uh, beating me twice and beating Jono once. It, it's not a lot of fun losing to this man, but I think he's a really good person to listen to for the listeners out there because when... Uh, like he, He's someone who finds an edge. Um, and and he, he, he's... So I, I used to bet quite a lot of sports. He bets a bit of sports. And he always just seems to find an edge. So I think he's a very good tactician. Uh, he certainly knows a lot more about football than me. Uh He's certainly someone I think the listeners, uh, you guys out there, sh- should be able to get a lot of value from uh, in terms of thinking about the game and strategy. So I hope it's a good episode. And certainly, Costa, you've been on the pod before, but it's been a long time between drinks, and, and it's you know you can't you can't bitch about me anymore not having you on. No, well, I guess um, yeah, it's been a few years, and I hope I perform a bit better than last time, and maybe I'll get an invite back in the next three or four years. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to get rid of Cam soon. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me on anyway, boys. No, that's fine. It's it's good, and, and like I was saying, I think the, the listeners are going to get a lot of value about this. And um, Just a quick Q&A. What did you get right and wrong in 2021? We, we, we all make mistakes, right? But we all have some hits. What, what did you yeah. hit and miss on? Uh, the number one hit would have to be the Zeeble-Aaron Hall combo. Um, I managed to draft Aaron Hall in the middle rounds, and then, oh, sorry, I managed to draft Zeeble in the middle rounds, um, and then after a couple of weeks noticing Aaron Hall, um, you know, picking up those cheap kicks in the back line, grabbed him off the waivers. So number one would just have to be those two. And then after that, I also managed to get um, Mick Hind off the waivers. Um, so by round four, I had all three of those, none of them top picks. And well, we know how hard the, you know, it was to get a decent forward line this year. So that was probably the main hit for me. Uh, besides that, I drafted Mundy which I'm not going to claim that one. He was just next on my list to draft in the third last round, I think it was. Um, but traded him out about round seven when he was like, as a super coacher, he was averaging about 115. Um, so I got max value there. Um, and just real quickly, a couple of my other hits were um, Dawson and Walsh. Um, I targeted them on the day. Uh, keen to get them both because they had. Re- I, I really love plays. I have a good ending to the year before. Um, so I targeted them, grabbed them, kept them all year, and they were great. Yeah, certainly had a lot of late hits, um, probably more than I've ever seen. And, and a lot of those guys, they didn't end up just being... Like, usually when you hit a late guy and they're a top 20 pick, you're really happy, but that was sort of top five for their yeah. position. So it probably, you know, you, you wouldn't bank on that happening every year, but it certainly um, played... Was there, like, Zeeble seems seems to have just gone... 
crazy. Was there something? Was it just just sort of luck that he went that big, or you sort of thought he could go? I wasn't expecting that. Uh, funnily enough, when we, I think I got in round twelve, halfway point when we have like our, our break, um, and I I shoot over that entire like you know five minute break whether I, I grab him because it, it's it's suck it's Zebul. What did he average last year? Like fifties, <laughs> um, and I looked at his his role. Um, playing half back, and oh, the reason why I didn't get him in earlier is because he's not a player that typically is a high possession player. And when you're playing in defence, you rely pretty heavily on on racking up at least twenty touches to, to score well. Um, I I did not expect him to go so well, but um, yeah, I was happy to have him. <laughs> um, so look, I, I know he was a it was a very sharp play, always a week ahead on on guys returning from injury and. You, you tend to trade out the guys at, at just at peak value, like you mentioned with with Mundy. But also, I know he's a sports better, and it's not just like oh, I bet on the AFL, but it's like oh, I'll find an edge on tennis, I'll find an edge on here, whether it's um, bonus bets or you know, not just those sort of things, but like injuries and and trends and like uh, ice hockey. I think you're pretty good on as well. What what's something that you can spot uh, like an area of weakness, something to exploit that maybe others can't. It's a, it's a tough question. Uh, good question, but tough question. Um, I just I just try to when I try to follow the trends. Like you always hear, oh, they're due for this or they're due for that. To me, that's a gut feel. Like I'm not interested in, in a gut feel. I'm interested in following trends and also why things are happening. Um, like for example, with the, the football, the one of the best things you guys have ever done is when you you started introducing the CBA articles. Um, so bringing it back to Supercoach and the betting with sports here, like just finding any source of information that I can just to try to get that little edge and, look, you know, focus and look at those things. It's just a straight to try to stay ahead of the game. Um, I know it's not a – it's a real tough question for me to answer, but um, I guess I just look for like when things change, I just try to look at, okay, what's, how's this going to affect the game? or the player, whether it be a, a different sport or AFL with, with players. So if someone gets injured, someone leaves, um, there's a role change. How does that affect other players? How does it affect, you know, the game and all those things? I just try to rationally find the edge there. Um, and, you know, you're not always going to get it right. I get it wrong a lot. Um, but it just gives you that opportunity to get it right. Probably that's a little bit more than average, and that's all you need to do to sort of go all right in the caper. Yeah, yeah, just that little bit of just that little edge, it goes yeah. a long way. What, what, it's a boring answer, but that's just that's the yeah, that's just pretty much the truth. Yeah, what what would you say is the biggest mistake fantasy coaches make in the redraw format of fantasy football? I think people spend so much time worrying about player A or player B, whether it be their round one pick or their round eight pick, and we're going to get this mid or that mid, and chances are there's going to be a, probably a four point average between them, whichever one they get. Which, you know, it's fun to do, talk about over a beer, who you're going to get. But the mistake people make is that they're spending all the time worrying about that when, in my opinion, they should be spending all their time focusing on how to structure their team from a when to pick up your rock, when to pick up forwards, when to pick up defenders. So this year, like, we will, I think we'd all agree that this is probably the weakest and shallowest pool we've ever had for a forward line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I so we draft I think about two twenty. Um seven one sorry, five one seven five, I think we draft. So I put all the players into their four sections. I work out how deep each section is, and then from analysing that, I worked out that there's probably twenty five forwards that I want and there's about, you know, forty defenders that I I'm happy to get. Uh, and rucks generally every year, because we only draft one ruck, every year there's rucks that hit the pool that are in the pool averaging over 100. So last show where I got my edge over a lot of the competition in our league this year was I drafted my fourth forward, and at that point I had one defender and I had zero rucks. Um, so to put it into context, um, by the time by the time I drafted, by about round, say, 12, I picked up, I was picking up Dawson, Harris Andrews, and Dode, and also Lysette from my rack, while the forwards that were being picked up out of the pool were Danaher, Luke Bruce, and Puckley. Yeah. So if you compare those three to them, and then, so I'm, I'm getting a huge advantage there, but earlier on, 
when they're picking up their defenders, they're not much better than Andrews and Boston. Like, they're maybe two, three points better, yet my forwards compared to their forwards, I'm getting 20 points a player. What's funny about what you say there, like, and, and just for the listeners, this is a super coach league, so um, just keep that in mind when you're talking about guys like Harris Andrews, is your, yeah. your early forwards actually missed or just spent a lot of time <laughs> injured. So it <laughs> it's kind of... I, I... I put a Costa and uh, apparently and got them all back for the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> who, who were they? Out of curiosity. Uh, what, yeah, when you asked me about the, what I got right and wrong, I didn't get a chance to say my wrong, which is Jordan Ngoi. Um So the first ten weeks he was nothing. I yeah. tried. I tried to sell him. For, I couldn't get a bag of potato chips for him, so I put him in the pool. Um, so that was I made two mistakes drafting him and pulling him. <laughs> um, so that was one. Zach Butters. I don't think that was a bad play. I think that was unlucky because he was dominating it for his, his knee before he hit his knee and Rowan Marshall. Um, mm. I was, I was so desperate for a good forward line, hence drafting four early. And I recognized him as the last A grader available when I got him in round three and I, I passed up Zach Merritt to get him. <laughs> That's how desperate I was to get a top forward which you could argue was a mistake. So, yeah, a few forwards missed, but thankfully I managed to, you know, pick some up later. Mm. Yeah, well, and just on that, so you, you're you a redraft player. Why, why did you stop playing salary cap? Oh, a couple. The main reason was um, I played salary cap not for rankings. I played it for, like, your mates, competition against your mates. Um, so I kept an eye on my ranking, but I, I would hold on to trades and sacrifice weeks to get, you know, shit scores just so I can be peaking for finals. And I just got sick of playing. I think I played a final once where we had five versus five. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, like say this year I picked, you know, I managed to grab Zeeble and Hall. And then I'm going on Twitter following everyone. And everyone in salary cap by around eight had both of them. Yeah. In our league, they were mine. Yeah. If you wanted them, you, if you wanted them, pony up, pony up and, and pay me for them. Not everybody else grab them. Um, so that's probably the, the one reason. And, well, you, the second reason you'll love this, Steve, um, how do you think I feel about loopholing? Yeah, not not great. Not great. You're not a big fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan. It does I respect that others like it because there's a bit of strategy in it. But I also just like the idea of, you know what, you, if you want to take the risk and grab that guy that can go up and down on a Friday night, to beat maybe a player that's um, you know got scoring better than you, take that risk and live with it. Don't have like a you know don't don't have a second chance at it. Don't have a hedge at it, which ironically I usually love the hedge, but with the betting. But <laughs> um, yeah, so they're probably the two main reasons. I just like the idea of having unique players, and that's why I love what you guys do. It's there was no one doing what you guys were doing when you came out. I think that's one thing I like that AFL Fantasy do now is like they take the average for salary cap at the starting point over two seasons. It's not just last season. So Supercoach, everyone has the same players sort of thing. Whereas AFL Fantasy, I feel there's more more variance. So it's... I just think maybe it's a better... I don't know. Maybe it's a better... I, I yeah. don't know. I just think it's a good idea is all I'm saying. Um, and just a Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely... I'll be coming back to it. It's been a while. Yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't mind having a crack at the ranking, to be honest. Yeah. I, I found that it's really fun to do, aside from, like, to get out of the league but just it's fun on your own. Like, in, yeah. In, um, just if you were starting a new redraft league today, what's one thing, what what advice would you give to the players and or commissioner? What's what's one piece of advice you can think make a better league? Uh, besides banning the loopholing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you could say that. That's fine. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it. I'll, I'll probably, I'll, one or more serious comment and one or more fun comment. I think it's mostly about just having fun with your league. Um, like you want to get everyone engaged in your league. Um, so set up set up a Facebook group, get everyone involved on it, have the banter, put up some memes, kind of like what you guys do on your page. It's all about having fun. Um, and by having that fun, that's what like not everyone's as as full on serious as what us three are. Not everyone's obsessed with the game. Um, so if you want your mates to stay involved, like make it fun, have the banter, and they'll, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to love it. Um, so probably that for a more lighter comment and from a more sort of serious comment um well don't have a league of 10 chiefs um have one or two guys set up the league structure up the league um and just this is what the rules are whether you do a keeper league know what it is up front 
Um, if you want to have a trade deadline, decide it up front. And yeah, just, just have that. And I suppose the other thing is um, probably have at least 50% of teams make finals. Um, because if I love, I would love a top four in a, in a 10 man league, but you don't want half the league being out of it with eight weeks to go. That's just, it's just, it's, just, it's not good. And then as well as that, maybe have a, a punishment for the wooden spoons or something fun. So it gives those bottom teams something to sort of, you know, strive for or not to have. Um, it's all about keeping the engagement for everybody all year. Cam, did you have anything for Costa before we move on um, to the show? Not really. I'm just really offended by the beanie. Uh, and also, Steve, of all the people in your league, you always seem to talk up Costa the most and, you know, makes a lot of sense. He's won three flags in a row, uh, which is just pretty outrageous. But I'm pretty excited to just hear, and especially when the show was going to be good vibes, bad vibes, I was really keen on hearing Costa's take just because I feel like it's going to be a little bit, not unique, but uh, well, well researched, I think. So really keen. Yeah, no, it's not that. It's it's not going to be like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and just quickly, before we get into the show, the good vibes, bad vibes, a big shout-out uh, in heaven, we think, to Norm MacDonald. Uh, yes. Passed on. Fucking love Norm. Jesus Christ. Anyway. I've watched a few of his videos this week, his last few days. He's got some... There's some crackers out there on oh, YouTube. Oh, man. Like, is it... Like, I watch a lot of stand-up, and he's just... Man, love that dude. I was watching... I was watching his roast of, um, uh, shit, another comedian. He just, instead of actually doing a roast, he just stands up and tells all these, like, really old jokes. Oh, <laughs> so, Bob Saget. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So oh, Bob Saget. <laughs> yeah. No, legend. And uh, by this, by the time the pod comes out, a Brownlow medalist has been won. So uh, who, who was your take? Who was your take? It's going to look good or bad one way or the other. It's on you, Costa, mate. Uh... Ollie Wines is the favourite. Uh, I, I'm a massive mark for these um, champion data guys. Uh, that's like the, besides you guys, that's like the main tool I use for my AFL data. And a guy by the name of Jacob Wilson has picked five of the last six winners. So here's your chance to, you know, get in a time machine and put a bet on three days ago <laughs> when you do listen to this pod. <laughs> um, Ollie, Ollie Wines is, is his pick. So yeah. I just, if, if I don't know, I follow people that do know. And he's... He's the guy I'm following. I, I kind of thought Ollie Wines as well. I think Clayton Oliver will get some of his votes taken away from Petrarca, or by Petrarca, and I think uh, Bont will get some of his taken away by the likes of Bailey Smith and others. So it, it's probably probably a there's no one else at Port, right? No, no. Well, Jono is pretty much like ask Jono. Um, Boke's no good. He's too old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clayton Oliver. Clayton Oliver's my winner. We'll see. Really? We'll see how that pans out. All right, into the good vibes, bad vibes. Cam, give us some good vibes. Good vibes. Uh, yeah, James Warple uh, for for the what? first one. You two didn't years. pass this. Yeah, I, I didn't even I didn't run anything uh, by you for the good one. So got started with the Warple. Um, again, like two years ago, second year breakout, had a massive season, ninety six point seven AFL fantasy, ninety seven super coach. Followed that up with the COVID year. Um, with a slight slide uh, to an adjusted 96 AFL Fantasy and 88 Supercoach. And then this year, uh, things all kind of went wrong for him positionally and Clarko started to give him a run with roll, uh, which saw his average plummet to the depths of 78 AFL Fantasy and 73 Supercoach. So someone who would have been drafted and had a relatively high ADP, hoping for a bit of a bounce back after the COVID year, um, ended up going actually much worse and almost unrosterable, uh, well, is unrosterable as a midfielder. Um, and then, like, even more bizarrely, later in the season, he was... he, he Clarko preferred people like Jai Newcomb and Connor Nash to get those midfield minutes while he's running around with the best midfielders in the comp. So my good vibe with Warpool is, and my hope, I guess, is that the run with role was just to get him a little bit more experience playing against some of the better players in the comp. Uh, after his second year, maybe he was a little bit unders in, his, in the COVID year, and, and maybe it was Clarko's way of saying, uh, he probably needs a little bit more experience. And now... 
that Clark has gone and we're moving to Sam Mitchell, I think maybe as a, a world where they say, yeah, okay, he's probably a bit better developed than he, he had been previously and we're going to give him more of an opportunity. Especially, like, it still just does my head in a little bit that guys like John Newcomb and Connor Nash would prefer to him as a called midfielder while he was relegated to a role-playing player. Especially, he was, what, the club champion in his second year. Like, he kid can play, right? Surely there's a bounce back. Yeah, I think that's a... Yeah, I don't know. He's a guy. He's, he's a weird guy, right? You think he's a jag? No, I didn't say that. Oh, you were very close to saying that. I think it's just hard to be good when there's, like, the best fantasy player in your team. That's if he sticks around, Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, if Tom Mitchell left, holy hell. Mm, I, thought, I mean, look, he averaged 78. Yeah. Yeah, I, the only I, way is up. But yeah, yeah. Is it is it good enough? I reckon it's going to be rosterable. Yeah. All I'm hoping for is sort of that low to mid nineties, like a late draft pick. Mm. What are your thoughts on Warple? I I I do I do like the take. Um, I like the fact if Clarko was still the coach, I I wouldn't. But I think when you get a new coach. It's a bit of a new beginning, um, and I think that's an opportunity to, like, in those teams, to pick up those underperforming players. I'm more nervous picking up the performing players with a new coach because you don't want change. Um, but a guy like that, like Cam said, he has, you know, be, be an F winner, and he's he's got the potential, and he plays that inside role, which is tackles and possessions and and whatnot. So I don't mind it because he's get you're getting him late. Like you're not picking him up in round eight. You know, you're getting him late. So. Yeah, and I, I think that where we may run into trouble with him would be if he has a good preseason, there could be some salary cap hype just because his average was so, so far down. But we'll see. Cool. That's my that's my vibe, Steve. Yeah. It's my good vibe. He, he's at best of... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that midfield. But he was the third peg for midfielders this year. I actually... Was it third or fourth? Oh, for midfielders. Third, O'Meara was top, then Tom Mitchell, mm. then Warple. From an average perspective in from fantasy? An, or? From an, oh, no, from CBAs, I mean, sorry. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Sorry, from yep. that inside mid perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can go either way on Warple. He was a guy I was cold on with the new rules because mm. he can't kick the ball very well. Like, that's his weak point. Which is, again, why you'd assume he was given a bit of a run with roll right because he, there's not much kicking involved. But, yeah. We'll see. Cautious. Proceed cautiously. Costa, who's your bad vibe? Who are you negging? Look, look I wanted to I wanted to stay away from the low hanging fruit here and, and you know, put put it put it all on the line. Yes, Steve. Um, look, look. <laughs> sitting on the fence. We can't even do a you suck pot anymore, we sit on the fence that much. <laughs> so yeah, in in saying that, no more laying uh low hanging fruit, I'll you know, hello to the Salwood family, but Moving on quickly, uh, Jared Lyons is my just the vibe there for me is not there with Jared Lyons. Um, a, f- a few reasons. Uh, at the start of this year, it was actually forecast that Brisbane were going to start running a heavier rotation through the midfield. Um, Cam Rayner, like I-, I saw the first practice game and that what was happening. I know it can get a bit experimental in those practice games, but we had uh, Cam Rayner featuring through the midfield. Uh, we had McCluggage getting a bit more of a run through there. Um, and then, of course, um, Rayner goes down. Lockie Neal gets injured in the preseason. But old Jared Lyons is back as the main man in there once again. And I know he's an inside mid and he hasn't got any other role, but it just made him the main guy in there. And I, I, I believe there will be times he sits on the half-forward line next year. Um, not, you know, just for your five, ten minutes. But for a guy like that, that's all it's going to take for him to have a regression. And then Lockie Neal. I think he gets back to his best next year, shakes off the um, the ankle and the back injury. And then it's like you made the comment about when you got Tom Mitchell in your team. Like when you got a guy like O'Neill in your team, um, I think that, you know, with the progression of the other players, I think there's there's going to be give there. And Brisbane ain't getting any better. So I reckon the give could be Jared Lyons. Um, I think at some point in his career, he's going to fall off a cliff. 
I don't think it'll be next year. I think he'll regress next year. He's he's slow. And people I think, oh, if you're, if you're 30 and you're slow, it doesn't matter. You're slow anyway. But slow, slower guys get slow <laughs> uh, when they turn 30. And I just think that he's he's going to really come back from that average this year. And I will not be touching him at all. Steve, <laughs> well, Steve, we, we talked about Lions a couple of weeks ago, and Steve, your take was probably a little contrary to that. Yeah, it was, and, and I think he's been good since he, like the, the first year he got to Brisbane, he was good since then. It wasn't just this year. Now, and, and I think you spoke about it from a regression standpoint, and I think he can, I think he'll regress. Like, that's, that's fine, and I'm certainly not going to draft him um, where he is. I, I don't know. I yeah. The, look, when the cliff comes, it's going to be. It's not going to be a hundred and ten to a hundred and three. It's going to be a hundred and ten yep. to ninety two. That's the worry. They're the guys I don't. Yeah. I don't want. <laughs> yeah. It's um. It, it's going to be interesting because of Brisbane's failures in the finals. I think um. They'll probably look internally and go. Oh, maybe maybe they don't. Maybe they go. Hey, what we're doing is working. We're just having bad luck in the finals, but. Sometimes they shake things up. They got young guys coming through. We know Barry's missed time. We know um, Rayner can come back, and, and maybe Lions is the guy that misses. I, I don't know. They're a weird team to me. To try, pre- like, not that they should be bad, but I, I don't know. I'm probably a bit down on Brisbane guys for next year, to be honest. Well, you got Dane Zorko. I, I, and the reason why I left, like, is he going to be forward eligible next year? Or yeah, is it going to be pure mid? Yeah, I think because so. That's... But my thing was with Zorko, because I spoke about him from a regression standpoint because he outperformed in some key areas. He'll be the number one forward, but by so far, I think when we're in draft season, he's going to be talked up as a top five pick. Yeah. Mm. So I, I know to take it with a grain of salt, right? But those champion data positions, he was midfield only. I take them with a very much a grain of salt. Yeah, but it's still interesting, right? It's interesting. It's interesting, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing. Like, look at them. That's, that's interesting. But it's like, like Jade Gresham is like a forward midfield. He played like three games and was in the midfield for all of them. Yeah. Well, why is he all of a sudden going to retain forward status? Like, yeah. Or, or pick it up. I mean, that's why. Yeah, I suppose if Sorko's a pure mid, mega bad vibes. But I don't think you could have. It's hard to have bad vibes on a forward. Because yeah. there's, there's such like you get a, you could get a gun forward who's gonna who's gonna lose midfield time and go forward, or what instead of being the top two forward, they're the tenth best forward now. Well, like. you can say that, but we've got a great example of that exact player. It's Jake Lloyd, right? So Jake Lloyd yeah. was the clear and away number one defender heading into this season, and people were picking him up very early in drafts, and he got outperformed by. You know, a number of defenders. Um, I was pretty hot on Tom Stewart. Tom Stewart outperforming Daniel Root, like, and a number of late round guys. It it, it doesn't give you value, right? If, yeah. if, uh, that does that make sense? Like, you can't captain him at that point. Like, if he's averaging 110, you can captain him. I don't know. Well, yeah, no, you're right. It does it does make perfect sense. So. Um... Yeah, when you're looking at those super early picks, you wanna you wanna nail them no matter what position they are. Yeah, like if you're going for a point of difference with Zorko at the top five, and then he just he regresses ten points, he could still be the top forward, but he might not be the same value. If you if, you, if you're getting him and, and Marshall's still on the board, then yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just, just quit the league. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Jared Lyons, uh, Cam, you'd be loving that take with your... Um, you had him on the regression pod, so... I did. Yeah. Um, very good. Some good vibes. Some good vibes. I've got Caleb Sarong from Fremantle. You're all going to love it. Everyone loves Caleb Sarong. He led the team for midfield centre bounce attendance percentage at Fremantle. So he already has the role. Pumped out some very nice scores this year. Five Dream Team tons. Six Super Coach tons. Uh, especially at the back end of the year, that's when he really got going. He only averaged the 82 score in both formats. So he uh, he's going to be buried when you're doing your rankings. He's going to be buried down the list of midfielders. He hasn't missed a match since coming in. And I don't think he's a player who's ever going to get tagged, especially when you've got the likes of 
Nat Fife and uh, Andy Goatshaw over there at Fremantle. They should be getting all the attention. They're absolute match winners. Cherry departure to me, I, I think people are sort of overstating it. I don't think it means a great deal to him. Uh, Cherry really only got midfield time when Fife mixed, missed. It was a sort of a, a straight swap. I think he can pick up some outside marks. Um, that's one thing he does need to improve. He does need to improve the uh, mark and tackle numbers. Uh, Sarong is, is certainly somewhere he can get better. Disposal seem to be tracking fine. He's only played the two seasons, so look, he's doing everything you want. The splits when Nat Fife missed, like I mentioned, he missed, did miss some games. That's slightly higher when Fife's out. That's that's um, that's something that's that's definitely there. I don't think it's so extreme that you'd that you'd um, push him down the ranks. But to me, he's just going to be so far down the average. He has the role established. It's just so nice. Um, I could see him putting up Taylor Adams-style numbers uh, in the future, whether it's this season or, or a couple mm. of years down the line is, is a matter of opinion. But uh, he, he's absolutely going to be a top 50 mid in 2022, and he will not be drafted like that. Love it. Low-hanging oh, fruit. Low-hanging fruit right there. Just like uh, your second take, hey, Steve? You're goddamn right. Goddamn right. <laughs> no, I think the second take's got some interesting points to it. But Cam, why don't you um lay out your your um why don't you neg on your boy? My boy. Your your boy this year. Well he was. Like... He was and he, yeah. he, and he drilled yeah. so um yeah, Tom Stewart, uh as my my neg or my bad vibes. And it's uh it's purely and this is what's so good about the good good uh, bad vibe show, it's quite speculative but uh the i've had a liz frank injury and it is no good and that is the exact injury that he had which saw him miss most of the final series and will uh, and he's had operated on and generally there's two ways it can go you have it operated on and then you have it operated on again to take out the bits that they've put in and then you've got about a six month healing process and then you've got you know light running and all that for a fair, fair while after that. Or you don't have surgery and you just kind of push through the pain and you, you have that pain forever. And so I went the surgery route. Tom Stewart's gone the surgery route. Mine, me not being a professional athlete or at all, um, at all, you know, keeping on top of my rehab loads or anything like that, it took me like two years to get running again. But him being a professional athlete, I thought it would be a little bit more relevant to get some examples of people who actually, you know, had the same injury or similar injury. I would injury. agree, Cam. I would agree because the last fucking thing anyone would confuse you for... <laughs> is a professional athlete. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, Matthew Richardson, round four, 2000. Liz Frank, missed the rest of the season. Is, is, can I ask, is, has medicine improved in 20 years? Dane Swan, forced to retire. Oh, Daniel Wells. Oh, was that the Dane Swan injury? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Forced to retire. Uh, Marcus Marcus Adams in 2016, missed 12 games, returned, re-injured. So Liz Frank is another one that one of those ones that can go again and again. It, it actually doesn't heal, so it just gets worse. Um, returned, missed an entire season. Uh Reese Conker, no one gives a shit. Um, you know, like, it's, so there's people that just have these recurring, like, as soon as it goes once, it kind of is quite debilitating. And when I'm thinking about, you know, how effective can someone like a intercept marking defender be after a Liz Frank, it scares the shit out of me. And it, it for me, it's sort of, I, I can understand why people would say, well, he's got six months now to get it right. You know, and he's going to be diligent in his rehab, and he's going to do it. But for me, that's a I'm happy to. I've got bad vibes for that for sure. Yeah, there's no. I love it. There's no data. Oh, no, no data. It's just yeah. My foot hurts. What? Fuck, fuck you, Tom. Forced to retire. Yeah, Marcus but have Adams, you seen? Have you seen his twi- Have you seen his Twitter content? Dane Swan. Yeah. On the pro, co- pro tonight, COVID, so Dane Swan. Yeah. Brownlow's on tonight, so I'm guessing it will be lit. 
Yeah. Uh, he'll, yeah, he'll be smashed. Um, yeah, I, I think there's... Yeah, for me, it's enough hesitation. It's like, you know, when you talk about Jared Witts, right, coming back from an ACL, a big man jumping on a bad leg sounds not so good. Similar vibes with this. Yeah, I wish I had more to back up Wits. I think he's easy pickings, though. I thought he was really low-hanging fruit, to be honest. Mm. But also, he's not relevant in Supercoach. Tom Stewart's an interesting pick. I think it's um, the defender's going to be super interesting next year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you just need... I think it's going to be one that you just take on with a bit of risk. But that's, it, not the, that's not the Jones fracture, is it? The Zach Jones No, no, no. There's, there's a thing called Jones fracture, and a lot of NFL players cop it. It's a foot thing, and once they do it once, they come back from it, but they tend to do it again, and after the second one, they do it well. I don't know if it's the same thing. No, it's slightly different. Jones looks like it's like your little toe. This one's midfoot. Yeah, okay. It's like did the you... entire middle of your foot collapses. It's messed up. Did you say was this the? Did you say James Hurd earlier? Sorry, uh, was no. this the James Hurd injury? Um, uh, I don't think so. Remember in ninety nine, two thousand, he like he, he, a couple of years of his career were wrecked because he kept doing his foot. It might have been this injury, but it was I midfoot. And anything on it? If they said midfoot, it's probably looks like a navicular stress fracture. Would be my guess. Yeah, actually, yeah, navicular sounds familiar. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the name of my Sepultura cover band, Navicula. <laughs> um, Costa, why don't you bring bring us home with some good vibes there? Good vibes. Sticking with the beanie, my boy, Nick Blossom. Mm. Mega, mega good vibes on Nick Blossom next year. I'm expecting, sure, he had the injuries this year. I think three different injuries he picked up. So talk about players that are... They're going to be hit on draft day. Like, he averaged pretty bad this year. So, he's, you know, you're going to be able to get him quite middle to late. Um, I'm expecting not just a, a return to his two years ago form. I'm expecting a career year from him. Um, reason being is that he had a about round 13, 14 this year. A couple of weeks back from injury, he had a role change. Um, he went from just that, you know, intercepting defender to a, a running defender who was taking kick-ins um, and that actually happened even before Hooley got injured so instead of Short and Hooley splitting the kick-ins it was basically Short and, and Blossom he was taking a lot of them so just it's the cheap kicks whether you're looking at especially with fantasy um, like towards the end of the I think there was about a two-week period where he was cracking out tons and then before he really took off and got on everyone's radar um, he re-heard his knee and I think he might have hurt his foot as well um, comes back second last round, cracks another another big ton. So um, yeah, like, I, I just think he's gonna have a huge year next year with that role. Um, the fact that Hawley's gone, Baker's kind of more being pushed into a utility role. Um, I'm expecting a career year from Boston next year. Does, does Robbie Tarrant change anything? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, you know, I actually think. I don't think it does because it'll allow Boston to not take the tools. Um, Tarrant is a monster. Him and Bolter are going to take the bigs. Um, you've got Grimes to take the, the third toll. And then Boston's going to be running around on the, the, the forward fleet. And generally those forwards, they like to, they're like whippets, they have to get up the ground. And often, you know, the defenders get, sit back and don't follow them. They sit back and end up being looseys. So I just think he's going to be a bit more of that running defender as much as a rebounding defender. And instead of getting a, his 15 to 18 touches a game, I'm expecting 20 to 25 touches a game and, and big averages. And that's that's my vibe. I'm, I'm vibing it. And is that both, you reckon? Both AFL Fantasy and Supercoach? I think he'll improve a lot with both because you still get a you still take a few intercept marks and yeah do that do that thing for super coach but then for a fantasy point of view you'll get some cheap kick ins and and it's not just a kicking you know how it is you kick it to the side and it ends up coming back to you um, yeah so you, sometimes you can get a chain of three possessions in you know from doing nothing <laughs> really yeah. like you, you just have to ask um, Zebel and Aaron Hall about that. I was about to say it's the Aaron Hall model isn't it <laughs> exactly so I, I just think he's going to give you that good combination of your Interceptor, Supercoach, and your accumulation of cheap stats, fantasy. Love it. 
So there you had it. Uh, as the Tigers slide down the ladder, there's going to be a lot of kick-ins available for Nick Vloston. <laughs> this you, is uh, put in an adequate way. You love to see it. Hey, love look, someone's, someone has to take the kicks because that washed Dustin Martin can't kick the ball anymore. Uh, we're going to finish on some bad vibes. Jack Zebel, the aforementioned oh. Jack Zebel. And I actually Low. wrote... Low fruit. Is it? Costa told me it was good. You go on. You, you said you had a couple of points that were interesting. So. Well, okay. So it was his best ever fantasy season from Zebel. 100, 100 average in Dream Team. 107 super coach. 21. Was it 21 games? He's been pretty durable over the second half. Yeah, of I think he played anyway. game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he missed a couple at the end. Um, or something. Uh, to believe in this, like, to, to believe in this take. Uh, you're going to want to believe into my batshit crazy ideas about market share numbers, which no one else is talking about. So once a player gets to around 9% and especially above of taking a team's kicks, so this is the team they play for, it's bad news from a fantasy perspective the following year. Especially, like, this, is, this is a general rule. Some players will beat it. Um, but they are very few and far between. Uh, Dustin Martin's certainly one who can, uh, but a lot of other really good players, um, and including Dustin Martin, has failed. Gary Ablett Jr., Sam Doherty, um, Heath Shaw, all those sort of guys who kick the ball a lot. Once they hit this 9%-ish area, it's generally bad news next year. He went at 9.5% of his team kicks. Interesting thing, Aaron Hall went at 10% of North Melbourne's kicks. So can you imagine 20% of all the kicks taken at North Melbourne, basically, were by these two guys. Now, we haven't seen um, someone take 10% of a team's kicks for a long time. The last one was uh, Gary Ablett Jr. a long time ago. And and he his average dropped 10 points the next year. But you're talking about probably the greatest fantasy player of all time. So just straight off the bat, that has to come down. The other interesting thing, the second half of the season, um, Luke McDonald came back into this team, uh, and he averaged 90 when Luke McDonald played. So bad splits with Luke McDonald, and that's sort of what I'm talking about with internal competition. Like we know Luke McDonald, what, what, whatever you think about him, he's he's a better player than his replacement. Um, so he's going to attract the ball more than uh, Jobber Mate. I can't take a guy who's going to be coming in as probably the number two defender in Supercoach and probably the number three defender in AFL Fantasy uh, with an expected 10-point drop coming their way. I'd certainly rather take other options or just pass them by. Uh, Other interesting thing, teams generally don't finish last two years in a row. So I know the ruse was shit this year, but they probably won't be like, like just based on the maths, uh, teams generally aren't completely dog shit two years in a row. So I'd expect the Kangaroos to be better. They certainly had a few injuries this year. I know Terrence gone, but Core missed basically the whole season. He should be back. Ben McKay gets another year uh, under the belt. Ben, ben McKay is a gun. Yeah, like, so... He'll be fine. Yeah, so he'll be back. Luke McDonald missed a lot of time. Um, and, and they had a lot of injuries with their midfield. So they're, they're a group coming through. I'd expect them to be better. Uh, maybe it's low-hanging fruit, but I'll bet... Damn, he goes off the board very early mm. in most draft days next year. Yeah. <clears throat> good, 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 good feedback. Yep, pretty low. Yeah, no, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. Uh, it, the, I'm interested about that Luke Mack split because he came back and was thrown in the wing. And so he must be, he's tracking back, I guess, and, and sort of gobbling him up a little bit. But, but it's but it's not the point that he it, whether they play the same role, right? It's, the, it's yeah. the point that they just accumulate the same possessions, if that makes yeah. sense. And, and also Hall, I'm um, sorry, a point I, I did have, that Hall actually over the season gradually started to take more of the kick-ins to the point that at the end of the season, Hall was actually the predominant kick-in yeah, in a river. That's the one that, that matters, I reckon. I reckon that's the money. So, yeah, if, if those two can do what they do with Robbie Tarrant out there, then my boy Nick Flossen will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's very good. 
That's very good. Robbie did, Tarrant did take a lot of kick-ins the year before, though, so uh, yeah. watch out. Uh, we did have some Twitter comments. Uh, Ninja Spoon had good vibes around the fantasy community, too. Struggles with lockdown and the last two years of life in general, so he thinks the fantasy community is due for some good vibes. Good. Uh, Surly says, bad vibes on Scrimshaw. Dawson if he goes to Port, but good if he goes to the Crows. Ben Keys with a crouch full preseason. You think Keys is the guy who misses out there? Anyone? No, Keys will be fine. Yeah. I reckon. Sloan? Sloan trouble? So, I nearly put Sloan as my bad vibe. Yeah. <laughs> guess what? Guess why Sloan's tracked down over the last couple of years, gents? What's that? It's Frank. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is like a sci-fi episode. Everything's coming back full circle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but he has good vibes on Short and Butters. Funnily enough, I'm not doom and gloom on Zorko. Even if he's pushed to half forward, he'll still be a top six forward. Yes, he just moves down around, but you won't get him in that second round. That's the that's the key. Uh, Fremantle Crude says, bad vibes. All the big name rucks. Darcy is ruck one season. Wow. Bold take. Wines, prime regression target IMO. Good vibes. Uh, assume that's Hayden Young, Terrence Thomas, Schoenberg, uh, Brad Hill if he keeps defender status. Yeah, Schoenberg's going to be not great next year. He'll be he'll score fine, but he's midfield only. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough to own. Yeah. Uh, Patch, Luke Jackson. See, well, Patch, look, Patch had some drinks. All right, and look. <laughs> Look, we've all been there, right? We've all been there. And um, look, we love you, Patch. You're all right. You know, Luke Jackson season's fine. There's worse takes. We've made them. Frogger says, good vibes. Ting English is ruck forward. Hard to argue. Yeah. ROB, OMAC is mid-round rucks. No. Uh, Taron Thomas, Jared Berry, if mid-forward, sure. Matt Crouch might slip through the cracks. Could do. Caleb Sarong, absolutely. Luke Duggan, Luke McDonald, Hayden Young, if defender. What do you think about these guys like Duggan, Luke Mack, and, and Hayden Young? They're going to be low-end defenders. Like uh, I, I think Luke Mack may be a midfield only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he will be, yeah. But it wasn't he like two years ago when he had he brained it. Was he pure mid that year? No, no. He started as a tagger and then they shifted him back to the lush role. Oh, that, okay. That yeah. Aaron Hall had. Yeah. 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 Hayden Young's interesting. But I love Hayden. Uh, Hayden Young, Fremantle. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. He might not whether he's ready yet though next year, but I, I'm a fan. I was. He was almost my good vibe. I was very close. Uh, bad vibes. He had Took, um, Zorko and Sidebottom, uh, Sean Darcy with durability, which is fair. Uh, Max Gorn ADP versus value. Interesting with all the rucks coming back, and um, I almost had Jared Witz as my bad vibe. Jared Witz actually improved based on his um, BCV scores. <laughs> oh, so, really? Um, yeah, I'm probably yeah. It, the ruck's going to be wild next year. I'm I'm curious. Uh, Noah Campbell asks, would like to go with a Josh theme. Good vibes or bad vibes for? Oh, he's asking a question. Good vibes or bad vibes for battle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh Rotham. I I kind of think good vibes. Yeah, there's upside. Uh, Shacky, if he gets dual. There's, it's really hard to have any vibe for Josh Shackey. Really? Yep. It's, it's looking like he's playing full life. I'll be more keen if he was playing defence, but it looks like he's settled back forward again. Yeah, if he was, if he was playing defence with forward status, I'd give you good vibes. And Josh yeah. Dacos. I, I, he's more a fantasy guy, isn't he, Dacos? No. No. He's, he's I remember. Guy. I cop shit. I cop so much shit at the start of this year from these guys for not rating him at all. I, I think he's an exceptional player, but after this year, it's very hard to assume. He doesn't translate well to fantasy scoring. 
Did no one mention any of these Essendon midfielders? Like, no one mentioned Langford or McGrath or... I had, yeah. um, I think I had Langford on the um, regression show, didn't I, Cam? Yeah. I I think it's hard to have good or bad vibes. Like, like what Steve was saying about Brisbane Lions, I think Essendon next year are a bit, bit hard. I have a mega bad vibe on McGrath. Um, I just think he's going to get... He, I think he needs to be inside mid to score well. Um, and even if he is inside mid, he's not a massive scorer, but yeah. uh, he's going to be on the wing for most of the year because I can't see those three big bananas they've got. I can't see how any of those three are not going to be at nearly every centre bounce. And then they've got to get Coldwell in there because that's the only role he can play, yeah. I think. So, hmm. He's Angus Brayshaw. Yeah, look how that turned out. <laughs> well, but that's fine for the team. Yeah. It's just not fine for fantasy, and that's uh, that's okay. When do you ever care about the team? Me, I love real football, Costa. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about real football. <laughs> Big real football fan. <laughs> um, yeah, going away next weekend. Um, good vibes, Neil. Oh, sorry, this is Ninja. Good vibes, Neil. Bad vibes, whoever wins the Brownlow. What a great take. Good call. It's very good. Very statesman. That's a statesman burner. Uh, and that's all we got for you this week, uh, listeners. Uh, thanks for checking us out. We'll be back next week. I think Stato's back with his 22 under 22. Everyone loves that Ooh. show. Um, very much a special special source sort of pod. Costa, we thank you for gracing us with your presence. Uh, how is lockdown life treating you? Oh, lockdown sucks. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, this is probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me in about six weeks. So, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we, were you pleased with the roadmap out today? Uh, it's, it's okay. I just wish it was a little bit more set in stone because like there's a pretty massive subject to change at the bottom. All we've been hearing is this change to whatever they've been expecting or predicting every week for the last, what, one and a half years <laughs> plus. So yeah, um, I had a quick look, but we'll just, we'll see what happens. eh? Roadmap is indicative only. It's like far <laughs> out. Come on, man. Stuck <laughs> in Mirage. Yeah. It's like that um the the Simpsons GPS in Soviet Russia road forks you. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's not one of norms. Um yeah, no, we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for listening to the Draft Doctors Podcast. For more tips and in-depth analysis, head over to the draftdoctors.com.au. 